And at Sagbach, we have a tradition of stating our name first. But we're not on home turf tonight, so I'm not going to make that mandatory. But if you do state your name first, we know who you are. Uh, audience, when you ask your questions, it works best if you're speaking about three inches away from the mic. That mic is live now, it's on. And Madam, you have the first question. Hello, my name is Lorna Brown, and I would like to ask the c c candidates if the, something comes up to a vote and the party whip tells them that they must vote a certain way, which is the way it's done in Parliament. If it's against what the people of Lethbridge see as important to them, have they got the courage to vote against their party and their party whip? Thank you. Very good question. Nice and clear. To whom is it directed? You can direct it to a maximum of two candidates. <laughs> Michael and Mark. Michael, your name came first. You okay. have the floor, sir. What do you mean by the people of Lethbridge? But how do you determine how many people uh, are behind that issue? Well, you'll hear from us. <laughs> We're not deaf. We're but not then again, deaf. that's the vocal, that can be just the vocal minority and a very small minority. Michael, you know that there will be some things that probably aren't good for Lethbridge. Can you vote against the whip or the party? Give that lady I, a hand. She I should be up on the podium. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly like to think that uh, I have a bit, uh, bit of freedom that way. Yes. We had this question last night at the forum also, and somebody said, a bunch of people. And uh, I think it's important to determine, uh, you know, how, is it the majority? Is it everybody? Can we find an issue in which everybody in, in Lethbridge is, is uh, of one mind? Um, and if that is the case, or if the large majority of uh, the people of Lethbridge feel one way, uh, then the issue becomes, what happens to the people who feel the other way? Is it the tyranny of the majority? Do we have, uh, and this happens, I won't get into specific cases, you can imagine them yourself, but sometimes you have to defend a minority. And it depends on, on the principles uh, that I hold and the principles of the people pushing a case and the principles of the people on the other side. So there, there's no one answer. Um, as a, uh, Edmund Burke said, you elect somebody to represent you, you ask for their values, and uh, you assess them. If they're, they are asked to look at the evidence and they get, they're, they're paid uh, to look carefully at the evidence. And if their assessment of the evidence leads them one way or the other, then they choose it. If their uh, values have led them to uh, go against the the values of the or the, the wishes of the majority, that uh, um, may lead them to lose the next election. But um, and as I said, it, it depends on the issue. So if it's something like uh, uh, doing something about global warming, I firmly believe that this planet is getting warmer. And I firmly believe that it's caused by the excess use of fossil fuels. Okay, thank you. So I would vote with my party on that issue, even though perhaps the majority of the people of Lethbridge, I don't think that's the case, but may be against that. Thank you. Anyone else? We've had two. Any, any rebuttals on that? No. Okay, we'll move on to the next question, please. Sure. I'm uh, Ken Kyle from Lethbridge, um, here representing the Alberta Public Health Association. I think most of us here recognize that one way to address rising health care costs is to prevent um, chronic disease in the first place. And Canada has been a world leader in tobacco control, for example. My question is, uh, what role do you see for Parliament in banning or somehow uh, seriously restricting the marketing of unhealthy food and beverages to children. 
To, to whom is your question directed? To, uh, to um, Michael and Mark. Michael and Mark. Michael again. It's part of our uh, part of our platform. One one part is uh, um, healthy strategy, and that would come under that section. We um, it's prevention, and uh, it's well known that uh, that uh, especially younger people right now are more of a concern because of their inactivity. So we need to get people moving. Uh, the same with older people. The age, uh, the, the age of longevity ha- is moving upwards all the time. The, lo- uh, the longer we all, we're all living longer. So we have got to try every healthy practice possible and encourage that, and the Liberal Party is certainly prepared to do that. Okay, thanks. Mark? Uh, when I was a graduate student, my thesis topic in, uh, my, for my master's and my doctorate degree was on smoking. And I firmly believe that the government controls on advertising cigarette was the right decision. Uh, And I think the increasing uh, restrictions on advertising cigarette is the right decision. Here's, I'd go one step further. Uh, You know these these large bottles of pop? I think they're the equivalent of 20 ounces of of, uh, cola or or, uh, whatever, root beer. Uh, that has become the norm, the, the standard uh, single-serving size, 20 ounces, uh, more than, than uh, 20 teaspoons of sugar, I think, in one of those bottles equivalent. That, uh, somebody found out by research, uh, those uh, calories comprise uh, 10 to 15% of the calorie intake of the average teenager. It's astounding. I would like to propose not only a ban on the advertising of them, but the ban on the sale. If you want to buy a big bottle of pop, it's got to be two liters. Otherwise, it's a 12-ounce can or 355 milliliters. Uh, And the advertising for various kinds of sugar pop stuff uh, on on children's television, I think, should also be banned. Okay, thank you. Anyone else? No one else. We're going to move over now to the crossings branch. Uh, Melissa, if you can alert the crossings branch and, and, and to ask whether there are any questions that anyone over there has. One of the two? I don't uh, see many people there. Maybe uh, the angle of the camera. To us. No questions at the crossings branch. So you have the floor, sir. Thank you. My name is Frank Toth. Uh, I don't belong to the spaghetti party or spaghetti religion. But first of all, I'm a Canadian, I'm a veteran, and I'm a nationalist. One subject hasn't been touched is to give away sneakily 7,000 firms and corporations being allowed to be taken over. We don't own sovereignty. Mr. Mr. Mulroney was the president of Iron Ore of Labrador, working for the American company, he put in the free trade deal. His follow-up, Mr. Harper, who's related to one of the highest BIPs, Imperial Oil, followed through and allowed the rest of the corporation to be taken over. Uh, Mel Hurtig, the eight-time Canadian Award winner, said that 6,000, up to, up to 89, pardon me, 90, 99, uh, have been sold, allowed to be sold, nothing said about it, nothing discussed about it. Politicians have nothing to say about it. And your okay. question is? What's the question I ask all three of you. No, no, two, please. Maximum right. two. Okay. Michael and Mark, what would you do to take back Canada? As a veteran, I'm ashamed. Okay. John Diefenbaker was the, he's a true conservative, not what we got today. What would you do to take back Canada and our resources? Thank you. <laughs> One more item. Can we have a hand for the, for the wonderful questions that this board had put up, eh? Thanks at the yeah. end. Okay. <laughs> now, Michael. I'm, I'm not sure what, what you would mean you do by to take the, back Canada? Can you be a bit more specific about the 
Oh, okay. Well, one one way is uh, through better regulation. Uh, a lot of them, they just run amok and try to influence Parliament to soften all the rules. That's why we have such pollution, uh, such as in the uh, tar sands, and uh, even for Canadian companies as well. And the uh, Liberal Party has already spoken on that and said that they will tighten up on the rules, even for foreign, for Canadian companies working out foreign, because some of them actually, uh, uh, hopefully most of them, do, uh, act well, but some of them do not. They are actually abhorred by some of the locals, especially in South America. So uh, that would be one start. We, um, we also have to try and make sure that they are good corporate citizens, even at home to uh, pay decent wages, a living wage, we've got to keep that emphasized. And I'm glad to see that our city here has a policy on a living, a living wage as well. So they, uh, companies have got to be encouraged to uh, uh, adopt good policies for everyone. Okay, thank you. Mark, what would you do to take back well, Canada? Well, Frank, uh, Mel Hurtig is a personal friend of mine. I met him uh, when I was uh, president or chairperson of the Committee for an Independent Canada, Lethbridge chapter. Uh, that's where I cut my teeth. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was the second uh, chair. The first chair was another person that uh, moved on to better things, uh, Bob Tarlick. Uh, when he went uh, to run for an alderman, he said, Mark, I think you should become the president. I went, well, well. Anyway, uh, so I, I'm familiar with the arguments of foreign takeovers of, of Canada. And uh, our party uh, is uh, aghast at the, at the takeovers that Stephen Harper has allowed. Um, we would reduce the threshold for uh, foreign investments to uh, be $100 million, uh, way lower than it is now. Uh, there have to be uh, explicit, transparent criteria for net benefit to Canada. One of the things, and Mel Hurtig has pointed this out, is that uh, foreign investment doesn't come to Canada to uh, build industry. They borrow money from our banks to buy our companies, and uh, we lose in both ways. So we would tighten up, uh, we would require public hearings and uh, ensure public disclosure and enforcement of all commitments undertaken by potential, potential investors. Thank you. Yes, Mr. Cap. Well, the Christian Heritage Party believes the government does not have a right to a share of your wealth and your earnings. If people were allowed to keep more of their earnings on the principle that it does belong to them, they could invest themselves in, in companies in Canada and take a share of ownership, we would have, there would be less shares available to be bought by foreigners, and we could put more money investing into our Canadian companies. Okay, fine. Thank you very much. We'll move on to the next question, please. My name is uh, Ken Eichel. I'd like to direct a question to Mr. McCormick and Mr. Sandyland. Um, you talk about cap and trade, you both, both your parties say you'll put in cap and trade. What I'd be interested to know, and maybe the people here would be interested to know, and out in TV land, when your cap and trade uh, program, what is it going to cost the citizens of Canada? What is it going to cost for jobs? What is it going to cost for loss of industrials? What is it going to cost for trade? What is the exact cost figure on your program? Okay, Mr. Cormican. Uh, that will have to be uh, uh, negotiated, uh, cap and trade, because it ca it's a huge issue. Um, there's $2 billion set aside by the uh, Liberal Party to uh, work on it to begin with, but I'm sure it will be bigger than that eventually. You stand there and you run for election and you can't tell me what it's exactly going to cost? There's got to be something wrong with you. Well. <laughs> uh, do you have anything to add to that, uh, Michael? Not at this time. Okay, thank you. Mark, you have the floor. 
Well, I'm in a similar position to Michael. There, there's a, a list of figures and numbers as long as your arm. Two billion does come to my mind as the first year uh, amount of money in cap and trade. But the money will not be uh, hived off somewhere. It will stay in Canada because the companies will buy credits under the cap and trade system from other companies and, and uh, buy, buy them on the market. The money will then be used to invest in renewable energy projects for Canada, uh, relating to the earlier question, we could have an indigenous, even right here in southern Alberta, renewable energy industry if we had the, the funds to do it. Uh, so it it's, uh, may take some money, and there needs to be a shift in how we uh, heat our houses, how we transport ourselves. The, uh, the, the climate, the, the global climate demands it, and we have to follow it. It's, it's like 100 years ago, the buggy whip manufacturers were all up in arms because they, they uh, uh, couldn't uh, sell their buggy whips. Uh, the fossil fuel industry is akin to the buggy whip industry. A hundred years from now, our, our descendants will say, did you people actually burn that stuff, those very complex molecules that we can make things of? Why did you burn it? There's only a limited amount. We have to get off carbons. Thank you. Okay, fine. Uh, Mr. Cap, did you have anything to add? Thank you for the Okay, thank you. Next question, please. My name is Tom Kane, and I'm co-chair of the Green Sense Group that handed out this little leaflet. We asked 11 questions on the environment to uh, all of the candidates. Um, really disappointed that Mr. Hillier isn't here tonight because I had a question for him. Uh, I wasn't pleased with his answers last night at the university on, at the forum, so I wanted to ask him this question. Um, despite the many attempts we tried to get him to answer the survey, we sent it to him three times, and I phoned his campaign office, never got a return answer. So maybe he's watching this on TV. So, Mr. Hillier, um, last night at the university, you said you wanted to follow Gandhi's slogan of being the kind of change you want the world, uh, you want in the world, that you cared about the world you live in. And he's got four children. But many found your answers vague on the environment. So, Mr. Hillier, we'll have to assign this to two of you. Um, it's a two-part question that's in our survey. Part one, do you believe in global warming, climate change, or at least the massive pollution associated with extraction and consumption of fossil fuels, including nuclear, is a very serious issue facing not only Canadians, but the world? So the first one, how serious is the issue? Um, very important last night, and many questions tonight about it. Part two, so if you think it's important, if you don't think it's important, we won't vote for you. But if you do think it's important, um, under the, I'm disappointed that the recent conservative government has lagged behind many other countries, and I'm embarrassed to be a Canadian when we get the fossil award. Most, of, most other countries have shown that renewable energy and economic development can indeed go hand in hand. Okay. If, if elected, will you commit to do everything within your power to make renewable energy development an immediate national priority? Uh, Jeffrey Cap and... Uh, I'm very sorry, questioner. Can't, you've can't. directed that question to Jim Hillier. You've indicated that he may be watching the TV. So if he is, he'll give you a response. I'm certainly not giving that question to these candidates to answer for somebody who's not here. Next question, please. <laughs> Hello, my name is Tom Moffat. Uh, Mr. Sandilands, uh, you indicated you were going to give a business tax cut to farmers of uh, 2%. I was wondering what other parts of your party's platform might be good for farmers here in the Lethbridge riding. Uh, we have uh, a program to uh, foster the family farm. I sometimes think that uh, we are in danger of, uh, if uh, Lethbridge, uh, I think, will we'll persist uh, for a long time, but we may have to drive from here to Medicine Hat or from here to Calgary and find no settlements along the way. Uh, the family farm is the keystone of the settlement of the prairies, and uh, we need to keep the family farm. So we have programs to uh, uh, encourage uh, family farms, the uh, business risk management program that uh, helps the farmers uh, even out uh, their, their profits, uh, their, their income. I don't think farmers uh, 
really ever earn a profit. The story of the farmer who won the lottery and asked what he'd do. He said, I'll keep farming till all the money's gone. So uh, we uh, um, will try and make more arable land available for farming because arable land is obviously what, what is necessary for farming. And uh, um, try and keep the wheat board in the hands of the farmers, make it their decision to do what they want to do with it. Okay, anyone else want to add to that? 30 seconds. The um, uh, Liberal Party are advocating that we strengthen inspection and enforcement for food. Also, with respect to uh, uh, fuels from, uh, from uh, biomass, we uh, want to encourage uh, use of waste rather than uh, the food chain, butting into the food chain. So uh, that is a couple of the uh, things, as well as um, help. We we are pushing high-speed Internet over a three-year period to help, especially rural Canada. I mean, everyone here may take it for granted in the uh, city, but there are many areas of the rural uh, rural folk that have uh, no Internet uh, connectivity at all. Okay. Next question, please. Yes, uh, my name is Howard Sharp, and uh, this is directed to Michael and uh, Jeff. Um, a question was put them earlier with regard to uh, why are we running this election. And I think I've maybe got the answer a little bit. I'm not a, a politically savvy, but uh, I had the occasion of being in Ottawa in 1982, and I had the occasion and uh, to sit up in the, the visitor's gallery to watch these uh, people conduct business down below, and I think I know what it is, is that they can't get along and they can't work together. Um, my question I, it would be pertaining to the budget. Now, I'm not certain on this. I don't think all the parties have the hand in developing the budget, and I think it's the governing party. So the question is, how can the three parties band together and say we're going to defeat the budget before they even know what is in the budget? Mr. Cormican. Well, we should all realize that actually the government was defeated not on the uh, budget, but on a uh, motion of non-confidence for what they have been doing. Very undemocratic. That's what they fell on. The budget is, as you said, done largely uh, done with uh, or by the uh, governing party, but Hopefully they would, the same as a question earlier suggested, we need to listen. And that is how I came up with uh, health care as my priority in this area, by listening to the people, what they were asking or raising as a concern. But I remember distinctly, I believe it was the Liberal Party, saying that no matter what is in the budget, we're defeating it. Because of what had already gone on, and what they had pretty good, uh, fair idea what was going to be in the uh, budget as well, or the makeup of the budget. They felt it, uh, they couldn't justify, especially when you don't get, uh, when uh, the governing party does not disclose all of the information or basic information that people need to make decisions on. We have to make informed decisions. We just we don't just make decisions pulling them out of the air. We have to do it on facts. They didn't uh, bring the uh, information uh, on, uh, say, the planes to the committee until the last minute before uh, when, when it was obvious. And the government, obviously, were wanting uh, an election themselves before the, uh, the uh, actual vote was taken in the House, or just as the vote was taken in the House, uh, I think it was Peter Van Loon was waving uh, his, um, some kind of a document indicating uh, pertaining to uh, the election or campaign. So they were, they were anxious for it. They, didn't, they never did go to the public and ask them if they want the election. Again, how would you go, how would you go to well, the they public? Were, they were talking about polling the public to see if they want the election. How do you know that it's an unpopular election if you don't hear from the public? Oh, oh I'm sure they were doing it uh, listening to uh, Angus Reid or all of those. They have their own polling uh, outfits that do that. And again, it's done on a 
a sampling of the population, and it's supposed to be correct 19 times out of 20. The reason they wanted it was because they felt it was advantageous to them to move at this time. Okay, we're going to give that now to Mr. Cap. The question was directed to him as well. Well, I, I said earlier tonight that uh, we've only had two true majority governments by popular vote since the Second World War. I think uh, part of the problem is that Mr. Harper is wanting to have his shot at the can of having an unearned majority government so he can do what he wants. So I think that might be part of the arrogance problem. If, they ha if the parties in Parliament had to get used to a permanent state of affairs where they're not going to get a majority of seats without a majority of votes, they're going to have to learn to work together. They're going to have to plan their budgets in such a way that they can merit the support of other parties in the House of Commons. I think that will give us a much healthier situation if that can become the normal state of affairs. They have to learn to work together because they're all the government. In the last part, it wasn't just the Conservatives. The Liberals are part of the government, the NDP was part of the government, and the Bloc was part of the government. And they all have to learn to be part of the process. They all have to learn to include the others in that process. Okay. Mark, did you have anything that you wish to add? Did you have any? Well, just for the record, uh, Jack Layton said uh, and there is a budget lockup. There's about a two- or three-hour period where the uh, uh, press and uh, a representative or several representatives of each party gets to go over the budget and study it. So uh, Jack Layton was in that. He knew what was in the budget uh, for quite a few hours before it was announced in the House of Commons. So he was able to come out uh, and say, we didn't get what we asked for. But uh, Michael's right. Uh, Harper wanted an election. He's running attack ads uh, continuously. Uh, there are photographs of uh, some of his candidates had their campaign signs ready in middle March. Uh, so uh, he thought that, that uh, the polls showed him he had a chance of getting a majority. I would like a situation where the governor general is firm and says, if you can't make this, if you can't get the, the, the confidence of the House of Commons, I'm going to try somebody else. There won't be another election for four years from the last one. Then we would have a situation where they have to negotiate. Now they don't have to negotiate. After a, a six months or, or eight months or a year, they get to call an election. And I think that's unfair to the Canadian people to have a situation like that. Okay. Next question, please. My name is Daniel Hummel, and my question is to any uh, candidate who will answer. Are you in favor of supply management? Would you maintain chicken and poultry quotas for the producers, or would you scrap it in legislation? There's two to answer. Who wants it first? Jeffrey, I saw his hand. Well, supply management has served Canadians well. We have some of the lowest prices of food in the world, at least until recently. Uh, we certainly c would continue to support a supply management system. Uh, the, there is one major flaw in the supply management system, and is that we have allowed quota to become a commodity which farmers trade. We, we believe that quotas... When a farmer goes out of business or doesn't require as much, it should be returned to the quota board to be assigned to new farmers if there are any waiting, and only after that assigned to existing farmers. It shouldn't be going from farmer to farmer because that just helps inflate the price. It's sold between farmers. No, we would, we would say the quota has to go back to the assignment board, not to another farmer. And the board would then assign it to a new farmers. We're keeping new farmers out of business because they're, they're trading it amongst established farmers. It's keeping the new ones out of business. Okay, Michael. As I stated earlier, it's, uh, we, we want to put the power in the farmers' hands, leave the power in the farmers' hands. It is in it right now. That is the big discussion with the uh, wheat board. And we say, don't interfere. Leave farmers decide for themselves. And we will help them as much as possible with made-from-the-farm-up legislation uh, or, uh, what should I say, supports to help them uh, with organization and financial structures and uh, that, that sort of thing. Uh, 
They did away with the district agriculturalists years ago. When I came, when I came here 40 years ago, there was uh, DAs in every um, key community. They have long been done away with. These are supports that should be there available to the farmers. Okay. Uh, Mark, did you want 30 seconds on that? Well, yes, we, we would support supply management. Uh, I, I don't think it gives us some of the lowest prices in the, in the uh, world, but it gives a, an adequate income to uh, chicken farmers, egg farmers, uh, yeah. cheese farmers, uh, and we get reasonable prices so that uh, um, if you have a situation as shown in the movie uh, Food Inc., where uh, they, they have to sell uh, their chickens to uh, some producer at the lowest possible price. Uh, it's uh, uh, a movie that, that is very disturbing to watch to uh, see a situation where they don't have uh, uh, supply management. So we support it. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you. Next question, please. Hello, uh, my name is Makotani, and um, Liberal and NDP, please. Liberal and NDP. Yep. Uh, could you tell us, in dollars and a million dollars, how much has, have your parties allocated for the First Nations for clean water, indoor plumbing, and insulated housings? This Mr. Cormican, did you get the question? Yes, an amount for um, uh, Aboriginal mm -hmm. peoples. I know there is uh, definitely uh, something there, but I, ca I cannot remember, to be honest. I'd have to look it up, and I don't have the information here. Um, but again, it's also tied in with uh, the Kelowna Accord. We want to try and get back to that. Mr. Ignatieff has said that we must get back to that as soon as we can. Okay, well, let's move on then to the NDP. Um, okay, the, the, the actual dollar amounts are, are uh, hard to track down, but uh, um, we... Uh, Want to uh, redirect million, billions of dollars uh, from corporate tax giveaways uh, to put $300 million into First uh, Nations housing. Uh, we opposed federal cuts to the Aboriginal Healing Foundation, uh, and we sponsored a motion which passed. Uh, um, this is irrelevant uh, uh, to the particular issue, uh, recognized June as a National Aboriginal History Month. Uh, but... Uh, Yes, we, we support uh, bringing uh, water to, uh, to clean the water. Uh, clean water, yes, uh, to the, uh, uh, in, to the uh, reserves of Canada, the First Nations people of Canada, and uh, proper housing. Okay, so there is support, but no figures at this time. I can get those figures and I'll get, get back them free as well later. Thank you. Okay, next question, please. Hi, my name is Leslie Mahoney. Um, I have a little bit of background, I'll be brief, about my question, just so the audience, I'm not sure how many people are aware of this. In 2008, the country of Ecuador had a referendum, and their people voted into the Constitution that nature has rights, just like a human being would. Um, the main part of that is that nature has the right to exist, persist, and maintain and regenerate its vital cycles, structures, and functions, and its processes in evolution and that every person, people, community, or nationality will be able to demand the recognition of those rights for nature before the public. So I'd like to know from Mr. Cap and Sandilands whether they think have Canada having such an amendment in our Constitution would be something that would benefit us, especially as we are a vastly natural resource-based country. Thank you. Mr. Cap. Well, ma'am, I'm surprised you didn't enter the, can uh, the election as a candidate for the Animal Environment Voters Party. Uh, we, I mean, having more voices in a, in a political choice is always good, I believe. Uh, to answer your question, we believe that the earth does not belong to us, but we are its stewards. We are to take care of it, and we are to hand it down in the best possible condition to the next generation. We don't, we don't inherit the land from our ancestors. We borrow it from our grandchildren. So we respect it, 
and we believe that there's a lot more we can be doing to control environmental pollution. We believe that animals are in subjection to humankind, but we are to treat them humanely and justly. Okay, thank you. So, sounds like a, a really good idea, uh, Leslie. The uh, process of getting a constitutional change in Canada is uh, uh, fraught with danger and, and uh, the road is quite bumpy. But uh, we could pass a resolution in Parliament. Uh, you know that the uh, NDP, uh, uh, with the work of Linda Duncan, the uh, MP from Edmonton Strathcona, brought in an environmental bill of rights uh, which passed the uh, House of Commons with the support of all of the opposition parties with the Liberals voting against it. That's uh, somewhat similar to uh, what you're talking about, but uh, not exactly the same. Uh, perhaps uh, we could uh, go that route again to revise it and uh, uh, come as close as possible to suit Canada's situation. I fully believe that we are part of nature. We are not superior to nature. Okay. Can I rephrase my question just really quickly? So from those two candidates again, in simple yes or no terms, if you could pass such an amendment in the ideal constitutional, you know, in your dreams, if you could do it, would you think that would be something that would benefit Canada, yes or no? Not in that specific form necessarily, no. Not in that exact form. Yeah. <clears throat> yes. Thank you. Okay, thanks very much. We've got um, just nine minutes left before we go to the candidates' closing sessions, so please be brief with your questions. Go ahead. I want to touch on a question that uh, you asked earlier, but it wasn't answered. Um, I'm not a fan of foreign uh, interventions. Um, a lot of Canadians are not either. Um, Libya, Afghanistan, what are we doing there? I want Mark and Jeffrey to talk about this. I know the liberal stance. Thanks. Thank you. <clears throat> the NDP opposed the, uh, the uh, intervention in Afghanistan. Um, I believe all parties passed the uh, resolution to uh, intervene in Libya. Uh, there is a, a, a duty to protect that uh, Canada has adopted. Uh, and that is when a government is doing things to its own citizens, uh, the United Nations uh, can pass a resolution and say uh, something has to be done. Omar Gaddafi was uh, bombing his civilians and uh, causing inordinate loss of life and a and, uh, large amount of injury. So uh, there are times when you do have to intervene. Uh, the situation in Afghanistan... Uh, in uh, 2001, the, the, after the 9-11 uh, uh, attacks, uh, there was some indication that the uh, uh, al-Qaeda had bases in Afghanistan and the uh, Taliban were supporting them. But uh, the, uh, the Americans said, we have to go in and, and uh, find, uh, um, what's his name, uh, Start coming to Osama bin Laden. Osama bin Laden. Sometimes your your brain slips. It's been a long. I thought we were supposed to end at nine. It, we're supposed to end at nine thirty, and I'm going to have to cut you off and move on to Jeffrey Cap. Okay. Well, regarding Libya, I understood that they wanted to establish a no-fly zone, and you can imagine how shocked I was when I heard that they were firing hundreds of cruise missiles at Libya. I thought, What's going on here? Why are we shooting at this country and simply, instead of simply telling Libyans, you may not fly your air force in your country at this time? Uh, I really do not like the fact that we were throwing all kinds of explosives at that country just to enforce a no-fly zone. Regarding uh, Afghanistan, I cannot imagine that anyone in this room who believes in equality among people, who believes in equality for women, could have possibly been against the removal of the brutal Taliban regime, which thought it was perfectly okay to stone women just because you could see their eyebrows. Okay, thanks. We're going to move on. I see three more questioners, and if you're brief with your questions, we'll get through all, uh, all three of you. Go ahead. This question is for Michael and uh, Mark. Uh, what are your plans to help reduce burnout uh, for healthcare workers and reduce wait times in hospitals? Are you going to create more jobs? 
Michael, go ahead. Since my name was mentioned first, I guess I go. Um, the, we're talking federal versus provincial. Pro, uh, Health care uh, is delivered by the uh, provinces, so it's really up to them. Uh, federal, uh, the federal government has re- responsibility overall for health care in all of the provinces. It just sets general rules, and there are five principles that all the uh, provinces are meant to go by. So really, it's up to the, um, the uh, provincial governments to uh, decide on how they allocate their dollars within those guidelines. Okay, Mark? Uh, as I said earlier, we have a uh, proposal to, uh, in working with the provinces to uh, train 2,500 more doctors. And now that this takes time, but over a period of 10 years, uh, to repatriate Canadian doctors who are working outside of Canada but who were trained in Canada. There are a number of these. To improve the ability of uh, foreign trained physicians to get Canadian credentials and to uh, train 6,000 more nurses over a period of six years. Part of the problem with uh, burnout in healthcare workers is lack of staff. Uh, the average age of nurses, nurses I understand, is uh, close to, if not over, 50. And uh, I can't imagine the fact that nurses have to screen their calls when they're on uh, their time off because they get called in to do more overtime. They can't refuse overtime. Uh, it just seems to be overtime should be something that, that uh, is optional if you feel like it, but uh, not compulsory. So we need more healthcare workers, and uh, we need to spread out the, the work that healthcare workers do so that it's uh, um, more intelligently uh, assigned. Okay, thank you. Next question, please. Hello, my name is Lorna Sullinger. And uh, the question is for Michael and Mark. And my issue or concern is with the promotion of public safety and proper regulations. Presently, we have thousands of Canadians who work in the federal public service, such as border crossers, food inspectors, grain inspectors, air and rail inspectors. And a lot of these services are in jeopardy by the government wanting to continually cut budgets to reduce red tape. And I think if we all think back to 2008, we see how the people who suffered from the Listeria crisis in Ontario, they were the ones who probably suffered the most presently. Um, Harper said he wants to reduce the number of inspectors that he has. He wants to have fewer regulations. He wants industry to regulate itself. Even though if you ask many Canadians, they expect government to be protecting them with, and with these regulations. And, and your question them. is? Okay, my question is, what will you or your party, or will you and your party invest in stronger protection by government to keep our communities and our lives safe? Thank you. Michael. Our party has already spoken and uh, will has money in the budget for, say, for example, increase in the number of inspectors for the food, because we're quite aware of what has happened there. We also may need to, knowing possibly going out on a little bit of a limb here, but we may have to uh, uh, look at how they are actually employed, because uh, as I understand it, the uh, current government have been trying to privatize that. In a sense, it's the fox guarding the hen house. And uh, I don't really believe myself that that is right. And that's exactly what happened at Maple Leaf. Yeah. Uh, I don't believe that that is right myself. You have to have an independent uh, body. And the only independent group that I can see that could do that, rather than giving it over to the establishment that's doing the, you know, uh, the uh, factory or whatever itself, is to have... Uh, gov- a government agency that uh, that uh, does the in- independent inspection. Okay, thank you. Mark? We're proposing a Canadian food strategy that will combine health goals, environmental goals, food quality objectives, local and organic choices for consumers across the country. We'll increase food safety by hiring 200 new food inspectors for the Canadian Food Inspection Agency. Strengthen Canada Food Inspection Agency's capacity to prevent, detect, and respond to foodborne illness outbreaks. 
and meet the same environmental health standards that apply to food produced in Canada. We will enact a legislation to provide properly la proper labeling of food with information on its origin, its nutritional value, and whether it's genetically modified or not. And all of this has been costed out in our uh, cost document. Thank you very much. Okay, now we're coming on to the last audience question. Go ahead, sir. My name is Kevin Float. I'd like to uh, compliment all the candidates for standing for their respective parties. I woke up this morning to a news announcement that a conservative candidate in another riding was advised by the National Party not to show up to a public forum. The candidate I most wanted to see tonight is not here. It may be totally innocent, but it's hard not to be cynical based on events that have been going on in Ottawa for the past five years. So this question is to Jeffrey and to Mark. What personal assurance can you give us voters that you will maintain your personal integrity in Ottawa and that it won't be eroded? <clears throat> Mr. Cap. Before I can even serve as a candidate for my party, we have to undergo what's called an integrity analysis. It's just things like check our police record, financial credit check, and it commits us to the values of the party and whether we truly believe in them. It examines our lifestyle and such to whether it conforms to what should visibly be known of a candidate. So in that regard, we are vetted in, in, in this way. Uh, if I have your mandate to represent Lethbridge in the, in, the, in the House of Commons, then I have a responsibility to you to merit your continued respect. I will maintain contact with you through the constituency office. <coughs> if elected, I would hope that I could make arrangements with Mr. Casson for the continuity of his location so we have continuity of, the, of where constituents can reach us. Thank you. Mr. Sanderlands. Uh, our party has a similar vetting process. Um, all I can say is to you, I, I will do my best. Um, I propose and plan, if I'm elected MP, to hold regular town hall meetings uh, with people in Lethbridge, but also in the surrounding communities of Lethbridge, so that uh, people uh, living in uh, areas uh, to the south and to the uh, southwest and to the north and to the west and the east can meet their MP, ask questions about what's going on. Uh, I would do this on a regular basis so that, that people can see uh, through, uh, through my eyes what's going on. Uh, Will Renan, obviously the, the best staff in, in uh, Lethbridge uh, uh, that uh, is possible to find, uh, an 800 number that people can call uh, without long-distance charges to the, uh, to the Lethbridge constituency office if they're outside the calling region. Uh, I, I'll do my best. Thanks very much. 30 seconds, Michael. Okay. We all have a kind of a vetting process uh, for just for the party itself. Mine was, I think, 67 or 71 pages, something like that. Then Elections Canada does similar. So it's pretty thorough. Uh, I also have been going around the area, uh, meeting with and uh, on the phone with people, meeting in the city and the area with uh, representatives or uh, community leaders, say, in organizations to he hear what they are hearing from the people as well, and I, with the common person as well. Thank you. Okay, now we're moving on to the end of our forum, but we have closing statements from our candidates, and we hope they will tell us why they think we should vote for them. We're going in reverse order at this time, starting with Mark Sandilands. One minute, sir. Okay, so uh, we're at uh, the end of a long evening. Uh, thank you for your attention and for uh, lasting uh, the, the evening. Uh, the New Democrats, uh, with our leader, Jack Layton, uh, uh, really have the interests of Canadians in mind at all times. Uh, we have never uh, received an, or accepted donations from large corporations. Uh, we believe that people should be represented as possible, as best as possible. So one of the first things that we will push for is proportional representation. Uh, we're concerned about the cost of living and the affordability of living. So as I said, we will reduce uh, credit card charges uh, and bank charges. Uh, the banks are making enormous profits, uh, even quarter by quarter. The amounts are astounding. Uh, we will uh, make sure that they're not making them on the backs of people. Uh, we will put uh, health care at the top of our list. 
pensions uh, near the uh, at the top of our list, and uh, we have uh, honest and practical solutions that will improve your frontline uh, health services and uh, life for Canadians. Thank you. Uh, please vote for me on a, uh, March the whatever May second. <laughs> Thank you, yes. Michael Cormican. Canadians need real answers to our country's problems, not posturing that fails to deliver relief for struggling families. Liberals are the only viable option. Our plan is fully costed and will impose uh, or improve sorry, health care, educate our young people, and protect seniors' economic stability without raising taxes on iPods, small business, or families. Our team will reestablish respect for democracy. Our team will restore Canada's future. Our team is the only party with a proven record to put our country back on track. On May the 2nd, vote Michael Cormican. Thank you. Jeffrey Cap. Ladies and gentlemen, families are where our nation comes from, where our future citizens come from. They need our respect so that they can thrive, remain intact, so that husband and wife can bind to each other without undue stress. Children are our future, and we must nurture them in the most ideal social environment, the homes, the bosoms of their parents. To say that children are better in daycare is to subscribe to Marxist notions that children belong to the state and not to their parents. We know, know how Marxism has been discredited so that only North Korea, Cuba, and some obscure nations in Africa still employ it. If you will elect me as your member of parliament on May 2nd, I will go out and labor for the beleaguered families of this nation to get them the tax relief that they must have and the child care allowance that will allow them to raise their children in their homes and in their hearts. If you vote for me, Jeffrey Cap, on May 2nd. Thank you. Thank you. A round of applause, please, for the candidates. Thank you very much, candidates, for attending. And thank you, audience, also for coming, asking your questions, announcing your concerns. And we look forward to seeing you at SAGPA. Good night. <laughs>